What's up, everyone? I'm Kane Pittman here, host of the Pit and Roll podcast, back for another week for another episode that is open to everyone. Now, of course, as always, I thank our subscribers over at the Pick and Roll. And if you are not a subscriber, you should consider doing so as we enter the new year with, of course, the NBL just a week or so away from tipping off. We have college basketball over in the US. We've got Aussies over in Europe uh, getting the job done. And of course, the NBA, which again is going to be our focus today. And in particular, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, uh, I'm a little bit biased, but there's no doubt the writing uh, that we have over on the site at pickandroll.com.au, I believe is the best coverage of basketball you'll find in Australia. So uh, again, we thank you if you are supporting us, and if not, uh, I do recommend uh, jumping on board there at the Pick and Roll. Joining us now on the show is one half of the wildly popular Chase Down Pod. It is a Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. It's Carter Rodriguez. What's going on, man? Wildly popular, you say? Wow, I'm doing much better than I was before this call. I'm, I'm feeling very, very, uh, very honored for that lovely distinction. I'm doing well. Uh, the Cavs have started out 3-1. and one. Uh, work is uh, good. I'm ready for 2020 to be over, just as everyone else, but things are well. Well, listen, if you're on Twitter as much as I am and as much as you are and, and a lot of other people that follow basketball and cover basketball as closely as we do, you get a sense for some of the podcasts out there, and yours is always front and center. So that's, I think that qualifies as wildly popular, particularly when you consider the last couple of seasons, perhaps outside interest, outside of Cavs fans, hasn't been all that high for the team that you cover. But it's funny that I say that because I feel like the timing for this is absolutely perfect because for those that perhaps uh, have been it, tuned into not watching the Cavs so much the last couple of years, they should probably come back on board because I feel like uh, sitting 3-1, and one, lost to the Knicks yesterday. That's something me and you can also have in common. I cover the sure. Bucks. They lost in a very similar way. I don't know why teams all of a sudden are unable to hit a single shot against the Knicks, but we can get into that if you like. But the Cavs are fun. The Cavs are playing some really fun basketball to start the season. Yeah, and in ways that feel a little bit more sustainable, you know, when you follow a team that isn't expected to do well and isn't doing well, oftentimes the bursts come in kind of random spots where a player just gets really hot. This team's just moving the hell out of the ball uh, as of late. They, they averaged 30-plus assists the first three games of the year, which is, you know, that's, you know, 2016 Warriors kind of level passing. Um, they have a young backcourt that's really starting to figure it out. Darius Garland is looking wildly confident after a pretty up-and-down rookie year where he didn't really look the part of a fifth overall pick. And Colin Sexton's finally figuring out how to play off guard as opposed to being kind of that pound-the-rock guard that everyone kind of hates to watch, even if he is getting numbers. And then beyond that, they have kind of this cadre of big men uh, that are all really, really capable passers out of the high post. So they've got guys who are really able to move the ball right now. They've got some young guys. They've got some vets. And it's kind of coalesced into a mostly pretty fun start of the season yeah you're gonna have some stinkers like they did against the Knicks, where they were still running pretty good offense for most of the game they just couldn't hit any open shots and and yes there's going to be some ugliness where you know Andre Drummond you have to watch him eat up 10 post-ups that aren't super fun but ultimately the team's been really fun to watch and they are competing really really hard and it's it's been there they seem ahead of schedule by my estimation. I thought it was going to be a little bit uglier than this to start the year. 
Well, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the guard rotation because we're not going to talk about the starters who are actually perhaps the most fascinating part of this team. I thought coming into the season, uh, I don't know how they're going to work through this mix, but I figured that they're going to have to find out who are the guys that are going to be around the long term in Cleveland. But you've really taken the mantle of Australia's team as well because you've got Dali, uh, you've got Dante Exum, Thon Maker is even hanging around there, which might actually surprise some people that didn't know that he, A, uh, actually hung on to the roster to start the season, but also was there in the first place uh, through, I guess, the truncated, really short uh, off-season training camp that we had. But we can start with Dante Axum, I think, because this guy is a player that still carries a significant amount of interest here in Australia because talented there's no doubt about that. The talent isn't a question. What it has been a question is his ability to stay healthy. But early in the season here, I think it's just a, it's just fun to see this guy actually in the rotation and getting you know, 17, 18, 19 minutes a game. Uh, what's the, the thoughts around Dante Exum? I know he was only with you guys for a short period to end the season last year or before the season was shut down. But uh, what's, what's, your, what's the, the belief around Exum in Cleveland? So let me start out with the bummer stuff so we can get to the fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> so the bummer stuff, he hasn't been able to say super healthy. Like, it'll, it just like much of his career, it's kind of been, oh, he had a really good game. Oh, well, he also tweaked his calf and he's going to miss a couple games. It's rarely like this huge, he's out for the season kind of thing. And obviously he hasn't even been on the team long enough to have that problem. But he has been kind of dogged with health issues. And then – Unfortunately, I, I'm if, if anyone in the Cavaliers rotation spot is a little tenuous, it's actually Dante's, and here's why. Kevin Porter Jr. has not played a single game yet this season. Dylan Windler got hurt in game uh, two. He's going to miss uh, a, uh, about a month with a broken, uh, broken finger. Um, but when those guys come back, the Cavs really are mostly playing nine-man rotations right now, and it – there's a chance JB Bickerstaff decides to expand to 10, but if anyone's going to go in that guard rotation, it's certainly not going to be either of the, the Sexland duo and Darius Garland or Colin Sexton. So Dante very well might be the odd man out. Um, I think the other, the other kind of challenge for him right now is that he often is splitting minutes with Colin Sexton and those lineups while he, while he is a steadying presence, neither of them are elite passers. You know, I think Dante's really moved, into more of an off-guard stage of his career, which is fine, actually, because he's 6'6 and has the size to guard a lot of twos and be very switchy all the way up to threes and sometimes fours. He was guarding Ben Simmons for big stretches in their blowout win against Philly. Neither of them really have a lot of on the like wide-angle creativity uh, in terms of kind of being elite passers and playmakers. So that, that kind of hurts his fit with the bench units right now. But overall, let, let's give... Get rid of all that negativity and move to the positives <laughs> because I think he's probably the best perimeter defender uh, on the team. Uh, he very well soon may be supplanted by Isaac Okoro on that front if he hasn't already. Uh, their, their rookie guard forward that they just drafted from Auburn. But XM is long-armed. He is quick on his feet. He stays on people's hips. And I think that kind of presence is actually really helpful for these young guards who, you know, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland were – uh, whatever the opposite of allergic to getting screened was, they were really good at getting screened. They, anyone who sets a screen on those guys in the last couple of years would just completely wipe them out of the play. So having someone like Exum there who can kind of set the example, much like Delhi, uh, where he, he has a lot of ex- extraneous value, in my opinion, as kind of a culture guy, 
being a hard worker, being a smart defender, and then being a kind of guy who can attack a closeout and, and get a bucket. Like he's had games where he's gotten hot for this team because he is still blinding fast in transition, as Australian fans know. Uh, he still can attack in a straight line. That I don't think the handle ever quite got there. That where uh, I was a big Exum fan coming when he was coming uh, into the draft, and I don't think the handle ever got quite where we were hoping it would. Where he's able to generate a lot of the space with it. If he kind of attacks openings when they're there, but when he does, when when he gets to attack a destabilized defense, he's still a pretty useful offensive piece. And then finally, the jumper comes and goes. When the jumper's going, he fits really, really well. When the jumper's not there, it gets a little ugly because it's hard for guards who can't shoot. But overall, I've been pretty happy with him as a piece. You know, uh, We were asked in one of our last pods whether we thought the Cavs should aim to extend him. I'm not really in that space where I think they should be giving flex- up flexibility right now for – uh, to extend a backup guard who right now is making about ten million a year, like he obviously <laughs> won't be getting that on his next deal. But if you asked, if you told me that Dante Exum was going to be around for a couple more seasons, I'd be more than happy with that. Yeah, it's really interesting. You mentioned the contract there in the final year of uh, what was essentially a three-year, twenty-seven million dollars guaranteed. There's some uh, there's some bonuses in there that uh, I think that number is probably going to be higher than that when it's all said and done. Although uh, part of that was health and conditioning and that sort of stuff coming into the season, some of those bonuses. So clearly, this was a huge deal. And I, I've told this story before, but I remember going back a few years, I was at Summer League and I, I, I honestly, I don't even remember what game I was watching. Who really cares what game I was watching? <laughs> but I found myself sitting next to a scout from the Utah Jazz and just by nature of me being Australian, we started talking about Dante Exum and he, this was prior to Exum signing that extension and he just went on and on and on. I could have let this guy go for 15 minutes straight talking about Dante Exum and how much the Utah Jazz loved him. And within two weeks, that extension came through. And I was thinking, damn, they really do like this guy because at that point, he had an ACL under his belt. Uh, hadn't really proven a lot at the NBA level, but it's, it's quite crazy to think that he is still on that nine-plus million dollars this year given the, the run that he has had. But he's entering a, an interesting period. And when I was speaking about him prior to the season, for the reasons that you mentioned with Windler, uh, uh, Porter Jr., uh, Sex, Sexland, all those guys, I said maybe Dante Exum is better suited elsewhere uh, for his career. But having said that, you already pointed to the fact that I don't know where his ceiling is anymore. And maybe it is as a bench guard that's a defensive specialist. He's going to be a streaky three-point shooter, probably. Uh, could he fit in as a role player on a good team if he can get that three-point shot reliably up at around four, th- high 30s? probably because of the defensive capabilities and what he can do in transition. But it's just, it's a really fascinating year for him. And if he does fall out of the rotation, I'm not really sure what that means for him moving forward in terms of his career and contract status. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think he's an NBA player. I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that he is someone who belongs on an NBA roster. But he is one of those guys who, with flawed players like this, it's really hard for them to find a spot on a winning on a high level team with big aspirations because as we know that that 10% weak part of your game that stuff gets amplified when you hit the postseason and it's just really hard for contending teams to have guards who whose defenders are sagging 8 feet off them into the paint and mucking up spacing for everyone else you have to at least reliably be able to hit open threes I mean you even look at the Lakers championship run last season they needed Rajon Rondo to hit his wide open threes and if he didn't they might not have won the title that's it's almost that simple to say because he was so important for them as a ball mover and as a as a you know offensive fulcrum for them 
that could get them into their offense when LeBron didn't. But if he wasn't hitting his threes, then everything gets really gummed up. So that's ultimately what it is, especially as he moves off ball more and more, which I do think is his kind of best NBA destiny. Even if he's playing the the one, the nominal one uh, alongside a point forward, I don't think at this stage he feels much like an NBA point guard. He feels like a, like a wing, a slasher that can attack and transition and guard one through three, one through four. But yeah, I think he's a player. I just think he's going to, if he's going to get minutes, it's going to be on flawed teams like the Cavaliers and, or as kind of a specialist where teams that can kind of bring him in as a change of pace and uh, as a, as an accountability uh, measure. And I think he makes a lot of sense in that role if he's okay with having it. Before we move on to Thon Maker, Dully, again, a guy that really wasn't playing all that much last season. Uh, funnily enough, actually had a pretty nice run prior to the season shutdown back in early March there where he was getting um, some minutes, but on the injury report right now, it says he has a concussion. Now, I don't think that there's anything that would surprise anyone less than Daly being on the injury report with a concussion. How, how's his head? How is he doing right now? Uh, you know, he got hurt in preseason, and I think they've, they're being pretty pretty careful with it because Larry Nance also had a concussion in the same game, incidentally, um, and has been playing every game. So, I mean, that's kind of the nice thing with someone like Daly who – at this stage of his career, he's 30 years old. He's been in the league six, seven years, probably six, seven years longer than his athletic profile would have ever <laughs> suggested he should be. Um, and obviously, he's very beloved in Cleveland. He's at the stage of his career where he is a, an end-of-bench veteran that is there to challenge and be a culture setter uh, much more than he should be expected to be a, a core rotation player. And the Cavs are lucky enough to have enough guard depth that he can be there to be an accountability piece as opposed to someone who they're really going to be counting on to play rotation minutes for them. I don't expect him to be getting off the bench in most games unless things have gone awry, whether it's, it's a super fun blowout or a, <laughs> they're, they're, they're getting their teeth kicked in and JB wants to, uh, you know, kick some sense into Garland and Sexton and say, Hey, here's how you need, here's how hard you need to be playing. He's just someone who, you know, unfortunately with someone like Delhi who never was an elite athlete, you know, he has lost just a smidge and, when you lose just a smidge, when you're already on the fringe, it's going to be hard for you to be a, a a real elite contributor, especially when he was a guard who was very dependent on a shaky three-point shooter and, frankly, very dependent on playing alongside the best, one of the best creators of all time in LeBron James. Uh, not not uh, not to uh, hurt any feelings of any Delhi truthers out there, but, you know, his on-off numbers have always tanked when he wasn't playing with LeBron. And... uh you know, it's a lot easier to, to play basketball when LeBron's on the floor. But obviously, we love him in Cleveland. I'm I'm glad he's still on the team. I would have been sad to see him go this offseason because he, he has a lot of intrinsic value and a lot of uh, intangible value for, for this young core that needs to develop good habits. Listen, Daly's got 40 million reasons to feel pretty thankful for yep. LeBron James. And again, yep. as someone who watched him uh, day in, day out with the Bucks over the last few years, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, over the last couple of years, he was definitely trending in this direction as being a guy that I thought was always going to be able to hang in the NBA for a few years because teams are going to want to have this guy around the team. I think we're seeing that in Cleveland. He's on that J.J. Barea deal right now where I feel like the Cavs will just keep bringing him back as long as he wants to hang around in the U.S. Uh, Thon Maker, 
this is really interesting to me because uh, originally when he left Milwaukee, he wanted more opportunities. At that point in time, Christian Wood was on the roster and that was the third string center that he was playing behind there. He was really struggling to get minutes in Milwaukee. He went to Detroit. He was buried, uh, ironically enough, again, behind Christian Wood. Andre Drummond was there who now has made his way to Cleveland. And it just seems that every single spot that he goes, even whether it's on a good team, whether it's on bad teams, he finds himself buried in the rotation. JaVale McGee has somehow found his way to Cleveland right now. Thonmaker is on the roster, but not necessarily a guy that looks like he's going to play. Uh, what have you seen, if anything, from Thon in the short time that he's been in Cleveland? Thon's been solid. You know, he's, he's first off, he's huge. I think people really kind of forget how big he is and being that big kind of raises your floor a little bit, even if the skill parts of your game aren't as good as they should be. I think, you know, we all wanted Maker to be a better shooter. He's a stretch five in theory, uh, but in practice, the three hasn't fallen at a high enough rate. He's not super strong, so he can get bullied in the post, but, and and it's never going to look pretty with him. I I don't think he's someone who, you know, I, I think, in a lot of ways, Maker is the victim of his highlight tapes from high school where we all saw this big man who could dribble and, and play make as a seven-footer, and it just didn't translate to the NBA, which is fair. It's really hard to do that kind of stuff in the NBA. And he is in kind of the fighting for career survival stage of his NBA career. I think he has definitely acquitted himself well uh, when he played for the team in preseason. Um, the jumper just isn't there. It doesn't look good. And like that, that makes things really hard on him. I feel like that's kind of step one towards ser- kind of reviving uh, any hopes of being a rotation player, even on a bad team like the Cavs. Um, not that I expect the Cavs to be terrible, but you know, there aren't a lot of teams who have minutes for Thon Maker right now. And it's because his one projected skill, he's just not that good at, you know. It's not that hard to find a 32% three-point shooter at the five position anymore. Like, that used to be a little bit more scarce, a guy who could sometimes do that. Um, a lot of guys, JaVale McGee has hit a three in three straight games. That's all you need to know, Kane. So, you know, that that skill, if he can get up to that 37, 38 range and become a truly efficient three-point shooter, the rest of the game really opens up, and his other flaws aren't quite as glaring, but... Overall, I've been pretty pleased with him so far. I, I can't complain too much, uh, especially as a third center. I think that's a good spot for him on a team that, you know, if JaVale or Andre get hurt and you need him to play minutes, I don't think I'm going to be, uh, you know, wringing my hands too hard to, to see Thon on the court. In fact, I'll be happy to see him get a shot. Yeah, again, with him, it just feels like opportunity has been sporadic right from really day one and and he hasn't been able to I mean to me he's a guy that needs minutes and needs to be playing on a nightly basis and unfortunately at this point having been in the league for four or five years it's he's not really going to be afforded that luxury of playing night in night out and I think you're right you pointed to the fact that I mean really it was looking like maybe he wasn't going to find a home this season at all Uh, so for him to sort of latch on here we'll see what happens with the Cavs maybe he finds a way through some unfortunate circumstances to other players that he gets in the rotation. I'm not sure. But again, uh, we spoke part, about part of me. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but part of me wonders if maybe he is one of those kind of guys who can go overseas yeah. and play a couple Euro league seasons and get his skill, get, get the reps he needs and find his way back to the league. There are, there are Euros who have, who have had that path. I think I have a guy like Sergio Rodriguez who, uh, who left the Blazers, became a Spanish superstar, and then came back for a couple years on the back end of his career. Like, there are guys who can do that. 
And maybe that, maybe that's his best path. I mean, maybe even hit a more lucrative path. You know, if you want to go be a top big in the Euro League, you might end up making a little bit more money than a minimum player in the NBA. Get him the reps. Get him the opportunity to really expand that skill set and then find his way back if he can do so. Yeah, I think uh, not only from a playing point of view, but as you mentioned, maybe financially as well, because it's going to be difficult to play yourself into money when you're the third string center on uh, the Cavs as he is right now. So uh, like I mentioned, uh, really Australia's team, the Cavs. And if you want to uh, follow along with everything they're doing on a daily basis, you can follow Carter at Carter underscore shade on Twitter and also the chase down pod. Make sure you get behind those guys and listen. Like I said, wildly popular. How many, how many shows are you guys doing a week through the season? What are we dealing with? So, so we do two, we, two shows a week during the season. Uh, and I do want to shout out our Australian listeners because what a great opportunity because uh, outside of the state of Ohio, we have traditionally done very, very well in Australia. Uh, we, I can thank Delhi for that, I think, but <laughs> The fact that we've we actually we have a a fan only Discord server where we kind of have a, a little group chat for our our little community. We have a ton of Aussies in there, quite a few uh, people from Melbourne, such as yourself. So uh, you know, I think that uh, we we really appreciate our Australian listeners, and uh, they they've been very very good to us. So yeah, we'll be twice a week during the season. Then typically, once we hit the off season, we go down to once a week. All right. Well, make sure you do check that out. And in particular with Dante Exum, who again, uh, unfortunately, we haven't been able to see uh, play as much as we would have liked over the last few years right now. Uh, knock on wood, he is, he is getting some minutes with the Cavs. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to see that guy out on the floor. Because again, a guy that we've all had pretty high hopes for over here from a, a Australian in the NBA point of view. Carter, uh, I know you're going to get running. I really appreciate you uh, sneaking me in here for a, a little afternoon pod. Early morning for me, afternoon for you. Of course, happy to help out whenever you want and uh, always happy to talk uh, our, our weirdly Australia-centric <laughs> roster. All right, that's going to do it for today. Like I just said right then, uh, you can obviously keep up with Carter and the Chase Down Pod and, of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers along with the rest of our Aussies in the NBA. Paddy Mills has started off on fire as he suggested he might just do. The Sixers and Ben Simmons have been uh, picking up a couple of early wins as well. among. The other guys, it's hard to keep track of all the Aussies over in the NBA these days, uh, but it's a very cool thing and that it has become normalized for us to watch our Australian stars over in the US. But uh, we will be back. Uh, keep an eye out for the next show. Whenever that one does come out, it's going to be on your podcast feed there. You can get this show, obviously, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, all those great things. Uh, we really appreciate that. But until then, uh, stay safe out there. We'll speak to you guys next time.